السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه uh, Welcome dear brothers and sisters to part 6 of our series titled Change of Heart and I'm really hoping that you're finding it a means of growth just as much as, as I am and each week um, where we cover new information we are covering also and we are um, lumbering on our back a greater responsibility of application. So remember, this is not just about acquisition of information, this is acquisition of application before anything else. Knowledge, information, it has no worth if it does not produce application. In fact, it can produce the opposite. So that leads me to segue into the next part, which is the importance, brothers and sisters, of uh, bringing with you some sort of uh, documentation, a, a notepad, a pen, a laptop. I mean, when you are watching something on YouTube, uh, a recipe, you want to learn how to make, you're taking notes, right? When we were in primary school, we came to school with, with books and with pens. That's primary school. So you are, you are arriving at information and definitions and... Uh, 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 we're looking at the etymology of words, we're looking at ways of attaining these heights. So come with some sort of apparatus with you that shows that you've come with seriousness. And undoubtedly, merely being in these gatherings is a means of barakah and khair and ajr, but you're limiting yourself, and the full potential will not be there. So qayyidun ilma bil kitaba, as their predecessors they say. They said, chain up your knowledge by writing it down. So let's make this a culture, inshallah, that we foster in our midst. Uh, Imam al-Bukhari narrates on the authority of Abu Huraira that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, يَدُخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ مِنْ أُمَّةِ زُمْرَةِ هُمْ سَبْعُونَ أَلْفَا تُضِيءُ وُجُوهُهُمْ إِضَاءَةَ الْقَمَرِ لَيْلَةَ الْبَدْرِ He said, there will be a group from my ummah who will enter Jannah. They are 70,000 in number. Their faces will illuminate on the day of judgment like the luminosity of the moon when it is full. We ask Allah to make us amongst them. Who are those 70,000? There is another hadith which Muslim narrates on the authority of Ibn Abbas. Long hadith, but we want to take it sentence by sentence. You will understand who those 70k are. He said, The nations were presented to me. So our beloved Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saw the state of the people and their numbers on the day of judgment, how they will be. How and when did he see this? Was it during the Isra wal Mi'raj trip? Was it a dream that he saw? Allah knows best. But he said, The nations were presented to me. What did he see? He said, فَرَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ وَمَعَهُ الرُّهَيْطِ I saw a prophet and with him was a few people. وَرَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ وَمَعَهُ الرَّجُلُ وَالرَّجُلَانِ And I saw a prophet with one or two people alongside of him. وَرَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُ أَحَدٍ And I saw prophets and they were standing all by themselves. Imagine a prophet 
sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to a community to give them da'wah, aided with wahi, connected to the heavens, communicating with angels, and not a single person accepts his da'wah. He comes on the day of judgment with zero followers. And that is a, a form of condolences and support for those who give da'wah and they set up pages and they try their best and they find no one is really receiving their information. You're not better than that prophet who comes on the day of judgment with zero followers. What happened next? He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, When all of a sudden, I saw a huge crowd. And my assumption was that these were my ummah. These are the Muslims. And it was said to me, no, that's Prophet Musa and his people. He had many followers, Allahu Akbar Musa. Then it was said to me, look into the horizon. I looked into the horizon. I saw another huge gathering. Then it was said to me, look to the other horizon. I looked, he said, another huge gathering. And it was said to me, that is your ummah. And amongst them will be 70,000 Muslims whom Allah will allow to enter Jannah without any prior accountability or suffering. Imagine, imagine all of the difficulties you have read and heard about, about the day of judgment, the horrors of that day, the length of that day, the sweating of that, the darkness of that day, the fear. They are spared of it all, and they have almost a backdoor entrance into Jannah. No accountability, no hisab, no suffering. And so the uh, immediate reaction is, and I'm sure you are probably thinking this, is that these are very few in number. What is 70,000? Our ummah, alhamdulillah, is an ummah of barakah, is an ummah of blessings. And we are people who love to procreate. We love to conceive. We love to have big families. We love children. We love community. We are numbers, alhamdulillah, not just quality. And we will be the greatest numbers and the greatest quality on the day of judgment by the testimony of our Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But still, what is 70,000 Muslims? I mean, that's all of Muslims since Adam, alayhi salam, till the last man. I mean, what is the population of Wales? Does anyone know? Muslim population of Wales. Surround? 49, 50,000 people? Khalas and 70,000 have finished. What about uh, India? India in itself, mashallah, the, Muslim, the Muslims there are around 200 million. Tabarakar Rahman, mashallah. May Allah protect them and our sisters over there in India. What is 70,000? So this concerned our Prophet ﷺ. In another narration I want to share with you, which Ahmed narrates on the authority of Abu Umama, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, my Lord promised me that he will allow 70,000 people from my ummah to enter Jannah without any prior suffering or punishment, and with every 1,000 of them is another 70,000. Who can do the maths? With every 1,000 from the 70,000 is another 70,000. So how many? How much? 
490,000? No, a lot more. A little bit less. Yes, that's it. Yeah, 4,900,000. And then the Prophet said, and on top of that, Allah has promised me three handfuls from the handfuls of my Lord. I don't want to say leave that to your imagination. Three scoops from the scoops of my Lord. We ask Allah to make us from that scoop. So Umar anhu, when he heard this, he said, Allahu Akbar. He understood what this means. Allahu Akbar. So there is hope. There is a huge hope. 70,000. And so the Sahaba, they began to discuss, who are these people? And meanwhile, our messenger, وسلم, went back into his home. He didn't tell them who these 70,000 are going to be. What are their characteristics? So the Sahaba began to speak. Who are they? Some of the Sahaba said, Maybe they are the companions of the Prophet Muhammad. It makes sense. Other Sahaba said, Perhaps they were those who were born Muslims and so they never engaged in paganism, idolatry. And they mentioned other opinions. Then the Prophet ﷺ came out. He said to them, What are you discussing? They said, we're discussing the 70,000. You spoke about a messenger of Allah. And then now he tells them who they are. Listen carefully. This is an open opportunity for all of us. He said, They are those who do not request ruqya. They don't cauterize themselves. They don't follow bad omens. And upon their Lord, they rely. These are the people whom Allah will give access to Jannah with no suffering, no pain, and no questioning before the King. Subhanahu wa Who are they? He said, لا يسترقون. They don't seek ruqya. Ruqya meaning the Islamic way of uh, curing or the Islamic option of curing someone who is ill by reciting something from the Quran or authentic from the Sunnah. This is ruqya. He said they don't request ruqya. And by the way, this isn't to be understood that you should avoid ruqya. No, ruqya is a Sunnah. And you should offer people ruqya and you should do ruqya on someone. And the Messenger وسلم, when offered ruqya, he accepted it. The hadith here is speaking about a very high category of people who do not what? They don't what, brothers? They don't request it. They accept it if given, if administered, but they don't ask for it because their reliance upon Allah is so strong. Who was the second category? Remind me. Wala? They don't brand themselves. They don't cauterize themselves. Cauterization is a uh, traditional way of uh, healing the sick by the permission of Allah, which involves using fire or heated items, and it causes excruciating amounts of pain. And so our Prophet ﷺ disliked it. He disliked it. He said they don't engage in iktiwa, 
cauterization. Number three, what was it? Wala yatayyarun. They don't follow omens. They don't follow negative omens, meaning they don't believe in luck. There's no such thing as a negative number, a bad number, uh, a, a, a bad uh, sign. They don't do that stuff. And the Arabs, what they would do previously, this is a pagan custom where they would take a bird and they're about to engage in an endeavor. They don't know, should I, should I not? So they release the bird. If it takes one direction, they see it as a good omen. If it takes a different direction, they see it as a bad omen. And that's baseless. And we have in our horoscopes today, unfortunately, many equivalents. This is your sign. This is your good fortune, a sign of bad fortune. You walk under a ladder, be careful, I think you're going to have a bad day. No, we, we don't do that stuff. They said, he said, They don't follow bad omens. And then he said, And they place their trust in Allah. So that is the summit. That is the summary of these people. They place their reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are people of tawakkul upon their Lord. They are confident in Him. And so a Sahabi by the name of Ukasha ibn Mihsan, he stood up when he heard the Prophet saying this. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, Allah an yaj'alani minhum, O Messenger of Allah, please pray to Allah that he makes me one of these people. He said, Anta minhum, you are one of them. So a second Sahabi stood up and he said, Me too, Messenger of Allah, make dua that Allah makes me one of them. And he said, Ukasha beat you to it. Ukasha beat you to it. Some opportunities in life present themselves once. Rushing to do good deeds and not delay. And this comes to show you that, alhamdulillah, had this been an open opportunity for the Sahaba, maybe we would have missed out on some of the opportunity. But the fact that he said, no, Ukasha has beat you to it, that door was shut. So we have an opportunity to compete. This is what we want to speak about, dear brothers and sisters. Reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the highest acts of worship that a Muslim can seek in his or her life. It is an action of the heart. Where a Muslim truly realizes that Allah Jalla Jalaluhu is in control of the universe, so the heart settles and all pessimism and anxieties and illusion and paranoia and OCD is flushed out. Because you've realized that Allah is the most mighty and upon Him reliance should be placed. What is tawakkul? If we wanted to define it, I share with you two definitions and maybe a third one later on. The first definition was given by Imam Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali who said, At-tawakkulu huwa sidq i'timad al-qalbi ala Allahi fi istijlab al-masalih wa daf'i al-madari fi umur al-din wa dunya He said, tawakkul, reliance upon Allah Jalla Jalaluhu is a state of the heart, when it truly relies upon Allah in reaping the good it wants or repelling evil with respect to matters of deen and dunya. Did you get that? Tawakkul, dependency, reliance upon Allah, is a state of the heart whereby it truly relies upon its Lord when reaping the good it wants or repelling something evil 
with respect to matters of religion and the dunya is one. So it's a holistic understanding, tawakkul. Any good that you want, any evil you want to repel pertaining to dunya or the hereafter, when you do that, i.e. you say, Ya Rabb, I trust that you will help me fulfill it, you are a Muslim who has exercised tawakkul. It's as simple as that. A second definition was given by Al-Jurjani in his book, At-Tarifat. He said that At-Tawakkul is Al-Thiqatu bima indallahi wal-ya'su mimma fi aydinnas. Tawakkul is a state of confidence in what Allah possesses. And it's when you give up hope in the possessions of people. Did you get this, Malik? Huh? It is a state of what? Confidence in what Allah possesses. And it is a state of despair, giving up, looking past what people possess. This is tawakkul. So a person who has exercised reliance upon Allah tawakkul, he has realized that the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to you is greater than your mercy is for yourself. So you rely upon him. And you realize that the, the, uh, the fears that you have and the needs that you have, Allah is more aware of your needs than you are of yourself. And Allah's ability of fulfilling those needs of yours is greater than your ability is in fulfilling them. And Allah's desire in wanting good for you is greater than your desire is huh? than what you want for yourself. You realize as a Muslim who has relied upon Allah that sovereignty is his, kingdom is his, control is his, the decision is his, power is his. When he wills a matter to be, it has to happen. No one can stand in the way. And when Allah says, no, this will not happen, no one can make it happen. A Muslim who realizes all of this, what happens? His heart settles at the bay of tawakkul. Not looking past its Lord. When wanting to fulfill a matter of dunya or a matter of the religion. This is tawakkul. When is tawakkul most emphasized? We said that tawakkul is something you should use around the clock. And when seeking to fulfill all of your endeavors, Islamic and otherwise. However, there are certain circumstances when acting with tawakkul is more emphasized than other circumstances. What are they? I share with you six. The first of them is when you leave your home. When a person leaves his or her home, there is a greater emphasis upon you as a Muslim to rely upon Allah. Why? You've left your house and you are exposed to a lot more harm now. To the harm of illness, harm of disease, the harm of fitna, temptation, the harm of a, a car accident, or their likes, theft, assault. And so a Muslim is required when leaving his house to place his trust upon Allah that where I am going and what I intend to fulfill, Allah will help me. 
And that is why Abu Dawood narrates on the authority of Anas that the Messenger وسلم, said, When a person leaves his house, and if he says the following dua, Bismillah, in the name of Allah, Allah. I have relied upon Allah. And there is no power and strength except in Allah. A person who says this when leaving his house, what is he to expect? He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it will be said to this person, Hudita, wa kufita, wa wuqita, wa shaytan. It will be said to him, you have been guided and you shall be sufficed and you shall be protected. Then shaytan, he takes a different path. Then one shaytan will say to another, one shaytan will say to another, how can you misguide or harm a person who has been guided and sufficed and protected? So when is this first circumstance that a person is required to show extra tawakkul? When is it, dear brothers? When? Leaving your home. Number two, when you are experiencing financial distress. Many people backpedal when they're struggling financially. And they go down very shady paths. And they know who they are. But they have not exercised tawakkul, so Allah never fills their hands with goodness. And they will tell you that firsthand. And that is why Imam Tirmidhi narrates in his jami' on the authority of Anas that the Messenger وسلم, said, مَن نَزَلَتْ بِهِ فَاقَةٌ فَأَنزَلَهَا بِالنَّاسِ لَمْ تُسَدَّ فَاقَتُهُ Whoever experiences poverty and then relies upon people to remove that poverty, Allah will not remove his poverty. But whoever is touched with poverty but then relies upon Allah to remove it, then his provisions are making their way to him sooner or later. Allahu Akbar. This is the second circumstance when tawakkul is emphasized when looking or when experiencing financial hardship. Number three, when people turn away from you. Maybe it's because of your ethics as a Muslim, maybe because of your good behavior, your appearance as a Muslim, your requirements in the workplace as a Muslim. Whatever it may be, there are circumstances where people turn away from you. And that's disheartening. When you feel isolated, you feel abandoned, you feel dejected, it is not a good place to be. During that circumstance, a Muslim is required to depend upon Allah, to rely upon Allah, and to sail through it. And that is why Allah said to the Prophet Sallallahu If they turn away from you, فَقُلْ say, حَسْبِيَ Allah, Allah is enough for me. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا None has the right to be worshipped but him. Upon him I have relied. And he is the Lord of the mighty throne. A fourth circumstance when a person is required to exercise extra reliance upon Allah is when you choose to turn away from certain people in your life. Maybe there are certain individuals, whether friends or family, and you know that they are toxic to your relationship with Allah. They're slowing you down. You are not where you want to be Islamically, maybe because of them or partly because of them. But breaking away from them is challenging for one reason or another. 
when you feel that, place your reliance upon Allah. And that's why Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَأَعْرِضْ عَنْهُمْ وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Turn away from them and rely upon Allah. Turn away from them and rely upon Allah. The fifth circumstance, when a person is required to show added tawakkul upon his Lord is when you are combating a sin. There is a certain desire that you keep falling prey to, it comes time and time again. Huh? Place your tawakkul upon Allah to help you overcome it. See, tawakkul is not just about making money. People associate tawakkul with money. We only discuss tawakkul when you want to buy a house that's not on mortgage or not on interest. Right? They say, just rely upon your Lord. It's always associated with money. No, the highest forms of tawakkul is when you rely upon Allah to combat shaitan and to overcome sin and to become a better Muslim. That's the best manifestation of tawakkul, right? If there is something that's pulling you back time and time again behind closed doors, remember, rely upon Allah and He will help us. And that's why Allah said in the Quran, إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لَهُ سُلْطَانٌ عَلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَلَى رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ Shaytan has no authority over those who believe, and upon their Lord, they rely. Number six, tawakkul, uh, reliance upon Allah is particularly emphasized when bad news comes your way. This is something, by the way, the Prophet wasallam sought refuge in Allah from. وَمِن شَرِّ كُلِّ طارق. Save me, O Allah, from every knocker on the door who gives me bad news. Allahu Akbar. Right? When bad news comes to you, that could be in the form of a, uh, a text message about uh, uh, a blood test that didn't really go your way, a letter you receive from the post um, about a court case that's not going favorably, something about children, about your finances, about a loved one. When you hear terrible news that saddens you or frightens you during that time, Tawakkul upon Allah Jalla Jalaluhu is emphasized. And here I remember uh, what happened to the companions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them. They had just experienced the tragic event of Uhud, the tragic battle of Uhud. Seventy of the finest lives had been lost at the hands of the pagans, including the life of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And they make their way home and their wounds are barely recovered and their muscles are still throbbing and their heartache is still at its peak and blood is still in their shoes. It was a difficult, difficult day. And news is conveyed to them that the pagans are regrouping and they regret not having finished the job at Uhud. And they're coming to take part in a second battle on the next day. Right? And this was terrifying news for some. And so the Sahaba, عنهم, they regrouped and they gathered themselves and they found the strength and they relied upon Allah and they went to Hamra al-Asad, which was the place where they were going to meet Abu Sufyan and his men. And subhanAllah, the Muslims turned up, the pagans didn't turn up for battle. So Allah Jalla Jalaluhu revealed the ayah from the Quran where he said, الَّذِينَ قَالَ لَهُمُ النَّاسُ إِنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ جَمَعُوا لَكُمْ فَخْشَوْهُمْ They are those, meaning the companions, 
who were told by the people, meaning the hypocrites, that the people, meaning the pagans, have gathered a huge force against you, so fear them. But this increased them in, it, in faith. It increased them in Iman. Listen to what happened when they received this bad news. Allah said, it increased them in their Iman. And they said, Allah is enough for us. And he is the best disposer of affairs. So what happened? So the Muslims returned back with the favor and bounty of Allah. And no harm touched them. And they had followed the pleasure of Allah. Wallahu dhu fadlin so when bad news is conveyed to a believer about his job, about his health, about his religion, whatever it may be, about his or her honor, they place their tawakkul upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah Jalla Jalaluhu offer the people of tawakkul? What is awarded for them? I will share with you a few points here, dear brothers and sisters, in the hope of enticing you to work towards this. And this is... Uh, ongoing progress and a work in progress for me as well they are offered the love of Allah Jalla Jalalu. the greatest pursuit in existence is the pursuit of the love of Allah and loving him is one thing but the greatest matter is to be loved back by the king and a life that is devoid of the love of Allah i.e. you are a person whom Allah does not love then you are a poor person even with your money and you are a lonely person even with your friends. And you are a homeless person even in your home. And you are an ill person even with your health. And you are a dead person even with your life. The greatest pursuit of the wayfarer to the hereafter is the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What happens when a person is loved by Allah? Your life, your health, your finances, your religion, your grave, your resurrection, your outcome will all be taken into the divine and caring hands of Allah Jalla Jalaluhu and Allah will not let you down. Then Allah will make an announcement into the heavens. This hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abu Hurairah. He will call unto Jibreel and he will say, Ya Jibreel, inni uhibbu fulalan fa'ahibbah. O Jibreel, I love so and so, so love him. A conversation between Allah and Archangel Jibreel. I love so and so. This person, insha'Allah, will be you, if not already. I love so-and-so, mentioned by name. So love him. So angel Jibreel will love him. Then Jibreel will make an announcement into the heaven saying, Ya ahla sama' Inna Allah yuhibbu fulanan fa'ahibbu O people of the heavens. Allah loves so-and-so. So love him. So the people of the heavens love him. Then what happens? ثُمَّ يُغْضَعُ لَهُ الْقَبُولُ فِي الْأَرْضِ Then love and acceptance of this person is placed on the earth. So how does a person bring about the love of Allah? I say to you, one of the many ways is to be a person of tawakkul. You rely upon him. Allah will love us for that. And that is why Allah said to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ Pardon your companions. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ And pray for their forgiveness. وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ And consult them in the matter. فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ But when you decide to do something, فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Rely upon your Lord. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُتَوَكِّلِينَ Because Allah loves those who rely upon Him. Tawakkul 
upon Allah Jalla Jalalu who brings a person the love of Al-Malik, the King subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, those who have relied upon Allah Jalla Jalaluhu, they are blessed with a triumph over the enemy. Whatever and whoever the enemy may be and whatever front, they are required to pull their weight and to rely upon the king, even if they are outvoted and outnumbered. You remember the Muslims from Bani Israel whom Prophet Musa said to them, enter the blessed city. Allah has instructed you to fight in his path. Don't be afraid by the men in the city. And they decided not to go in. So two men interjected. Allah said, Qala rajulani min Two righteous men who were afraid of Allah. An'am Allahu alayhim, whom Allah had bestowed his favor upon them. They said to Bani Israel, just surprise them with an attack. Enter the door, surprisingly. If you do that, Allah will give you victory. And upon your Lord rely if you are believers. Upon Allah rely if you are believers. Those who rely upon Al-Malik, they are given victory over their enemy. The third thing that the people of Tawakkul are blessed with is that Allah Jalla Jalaluhu gives them a triumph over their private battle with Shaytan. And that person is me and that person is you. There is no escaping that reality. We quoted, إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لَهُ سُلْطَانٌ عَلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَلَى رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ Shaytan has no authority over those who believe in Allah and they rely upon him. No more OCD. No more obsessive thoughts, no more anxiety, or at least they are managed in a decent way when a person relies upon his Lord. There's no more space for these feelings and their sent these sentiments. Number four, the people of Tawakkul, they are blessed with a sense of serenity and calmness and inner expanse that is only provided by Tawakkul, reliance upon him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it makes perfect sense. I want you to imagine a person who makes his way to a law firm, a notary, and he wants to give power of attorney to a family member whom he trusts or a friend. And so the notary says, you sure? He says, yeah, yeah I'm sure. He says, so, I mean, what type do you want? What type of power do you want to give to this individual? Is it finance, property, or is it health and well-being? He says both. He says, are you sure? He says, yeah, yeah. He says, do you know what this means? This means that they can sell your car without your permission. It means they can sell your house. It means they can put you in a care home if they want. He says, yeah, I know exactly what it entails, but I'm willing to sign and give power of attorney because I know this person. I trust this person. This person will never let me down. These uh, facilities and these options exist. That's why law firms exist. That's a service that we use as human beings. So what then of a human being with respect to his Lord? Are you willing to sign your life and your property away from Allah? Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to depend upon him? Have you ever seen from Allah anything but kindness and dutifulness and mercy and answering of dua? Trust him and be confident. And there is nothing that gives more peace and happiness than when you do that. You hand over the keys.
to your Lord and you say, my Lord, you are in control and I trust everything you send my way and I have no qualms with Qadr. A sense of peace that no medicine can offer. But tawakkul. The people of tawakkul are awarded the love of Allah Jalla Jalla and they are awarded a triumph over their enemy. They are awarded victory over shaitan and in, in their internal private battles. They are given serenity, comfort uh, and peace like none other. They are given uh, strength and courage like none other. This is a gift and an award for the people of tawakkul, reliance upon Allah Jalla Jalla Look at them and you see the people of tawakkul behaving in the most inspiring of ways. They give charity with confidence. Why? Because their tawakkul has evicted from their hearts the fear of poverty. Strong and courageous. You see them in salah, they are focused more than anyone else. Why? Because tawakkul has evicted from their minds the thought of business and work. They've relied upon Allah, strong and courageous, in control of their, of their lives. You find them when they get that horrible diagnosis from the doctor, they are the most composed of people. Why? Because their tawakkul, their reliance has evicted from their heart the fear of death. And they are content with anything that Allah Jalla Jalaluhu may, may send their way. So they are strong, they are courageous, they are collected, they are gathered. And that is why the scholars, they would say, من أراد أن يكون من أراد أن يكون أقوى الناس فليتوكل على الله. Whoever desires to be the strongest of all people, let him rely upon Allah Jalla Jalla. Makes sense. You've now all of a sudden connected yourself with the source of all might and the source source of all strength. You're strong and you're courageous, even though the circumstances may not be favorable. You've relied upon Allah Al Malik, the carrier of the heavens and the earth. Case studies of people who became strong and courageous because of tawakkul, I share with you a few. The Nabi of Allah Hud, we don't speak about him much, yet he has a powerful story with his community. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said, and I translate, قَالُوا يَا هُودُ مَا جِئْتَنَا بِبَيِّنَا They said to him, Hud, this is a Nabi. They said to him, Oh Hud, you haven't come with any clear evidence. وَمَا نَحْنُ بِتَارِيكِ آلِهَتِنَا عَنْ قَوْلِكَ And we're not going to leave our idol worshipping because of what you say. وَمَا نَحْنُ لَكَ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ And we don't intend to believe in you either. إِنْ نَقُولُ إِلَّا اَعْتَرَاكَ بَعْضُ آلِهَتِنَا Our opinion is that you've been possessed by our idols with some sort of evil. Hood's response. قَالَ إِنِّي أُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ وَشْهَدُ أَنِّي بَرِيءٌ مِّمَّا تُشْرِكُونَ He said, I make Allah my witness and all of you that I am free from what you associate with Allah. Look, one man army. مِن دُونِهِ فَكِيدُونِي جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ لَا تُنْظِرُونَ He said, all of you, plot against me and come to me at the same time and don't give me a chance. What gave him the strength? Who knows the continuation of the ayah? إِنِّي تَوَكَّلْتُ عَلَى اللَّهِ رَبِّي وَرَبِّكُمْ I have relied upon Allah, my Lord and yours. مَا مِنْ دَابَّةٍ إِلَّا هُوَ أَخِذٌ بِنَاصِيَتِهَا There is no creature, he said, on the land, except that Allah holds it by its forelock. إِنَّ رَبِّي عَلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ My Lord is upon a straight path. 
Allahu Akbar. What endowed him with this type of strength and courage in face of adversity? upon Allah. He said it. I have relied upon Allah. I'm not afraid. In fact, our own Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, Sayyidul Mutawakkileen, the leader of the people of Tawakkul. Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim narrate on the authority of Jabir said that we were traveling with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam during the battle of the Turriqah. And every time we would come across a tree that offered shade, we would give it to the Prophet ﷺ for him to rest. And on one particular siesta moment when he was resting, he fell asleep and he had hung his sword on one of the branches of the tree. And then he woke up to the sight of a pagan who would come into the lines without the Muslims realizing. And he picked up the sword and put it to the throat of the Prophet ﷺ. And he opens his eyes to the blade. He said, Mayyam now kamini. Who can save you from me? He said, Allah. What happened? In another narration, which Abu Bakr al-Isma'ini narrates in his Sahih, that the man shook and the sword fell from his hand. And so the Prophet ﷺ picked it up and put it to his throat. He said, who will protect you from me? He said, kun khayra akhir. Please be kind. Please be kind. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Will you testify that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah and I am the Messenger of Allah? He said, No. But I can promise you that I will never be part of a party that fights you. And so the Prophet ﷺ let him go. And the man went back to his community and he said, I have come to you from the finest of all people. I have come to you from the greatest of all people. What gave him this tawakkul? And you have the likes of uh, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. He mentions an amazing incident that he experienced during a public debate. There were a group of deviants who were disillusioning the Muslims into thinking that they were carrying out some sort of miraculous feats. And part of what they claimed that they could do was walk into fire. And indeed, they seemed to be able to walk through fire to some extent. And people were shocked and they were following their ways and they were misguiding the masses. So Ibn Taymiyyah, he knew that this was trickery and deceit. He said to them, you're not really walking through fire. You're covering your body with some sort of animal fat and frog grease. Uh, some sort of um, fire repellent uh, chemical. And that's what's allowing you to carry out its trickery. The debate took place, voices were raised, emotions were heightened, so they said, let's come back the next day. Shaykhul Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, that evening, I prayed Salatul Istikhara. I did the prayer of consultation. And I asked Allah for aid and for help, and I made dua. And then as I was calling him that night, it fell into my heart that if they should challenge me to walk into the fire, I will walk into the fire. And I developed a type of certainty that if I did that, it wasn't going to harm me. The same way it does not harm the true followers of Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam, Ibrahim who was launched into the fire and saved. Ajeeb. Courage and strength, right? So the next day during the debate, they spoke and they spoke and voices were raised. And then their sheikh, he said, don't you know 
we walk through fire. Shaykh al-Islam said to him, and I can do that as well, inshallah. And he was shocked. And Shaykh said, the one who does that, and he burns to death, may the curse of Allah be upon him. Agreed? He said, agreed. And then the Shaykh, he began to tug at his clothes. Now he's taken off his shirt. He's about to walk into the fire. Sheikh said, Imam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, said, hold on, I have just one condition, if you don't mind. The condition is that both of us dip ourselves in a flammable chemical. Let's, let's be serious. And at that point, signs of hesitation began to appear from the face of this individual. He said to him, I am ready. He repeated the challenge he, again and again. And he decided to uh, walk away from the challenge. And the Muslims did their takbir. And they recited the ayah, هنالك, They were defeated. And they returned in a state of disgrace. What gave him this strength? Huh? What gave him this strange episode of courage? It was his amazing levels of tawakkul upon Allah. Jalla Jalaluh. I remember the words of Ibn al-Qayyim who said, لَوْ أَنَّ الْعَبْدَ تَوَكَّلَ عَلَى اللَّهِ حَقَّ تَوَكُّلِهِ فِي إِزَالَةِ جَبَلِ وَكَانَ مَأْمُورًا بِذَلِكَ لَأَزَالَهُ If a person was truly to rely upon Allah, the reliance he deserves in moving a mountain from its place, and he was instructed to do that by Allah, he would be able to move the mountain. You are connected to Al-Malik, the king, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it gives this type of phenomenal strength and this type of courage. This is uh, another one of the gifts Allah Jalla Jalaluhu awards the people of Tawakkul. Strength and courage. What else does he give them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to achieve their goals. What are your goals? What are your goals? What do you want from life? You, you want certain things from this world. What do you want from the afterlife? What are the things that you fear in this world? What are the things that you fear about death and post-death? Those who have relied upon Allah Jalla Jalaluhu, He will take care of all of these things and He will help them achieve them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them abundance. He will fill their hands and he will allow them to achieve their goals. That's financial, for example. Umar ibn al-Khattab narrated that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَوْ أَنَّكُمْ تَوَكَّلْتُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ حَقَّ تَوَكُّلِهِ If you relied upon Allah properly, لَرَزَقَكُمْ كَمَا يَرْزُقُ الطَّيْرِ He would provide for you the same way he provides for the bird. He said, It goes out in the morning with an empty belly and goes home in the evening with a belly filled with food. What are your endeavors? What are your goals? The people of Tawakkul, they are aided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are, are you ill? Are you looking for some sort of shifa, cure? The people of Tawakkul, they are aided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at Ya'qub alayhi salam. What did he say to his sons when they went to Egypt to meet their brother Yusuf? He said, please, لا تدخلوا من باب واحد. Don't all of you enter from one door. وادخلوا من أبواب متفرقة. Come in to Yusuf's presence from many different doors. Maybe like two from here, two from there, maybe one or two from here. Don't come from the same door. Why did he do that? Does anyone know, by the way, why, why he gave that instruction? 
most of the scholars of tafsir they said that they said that he was afraid that they will be touched by the evil eye you know when you see mashallah these uh, these men about 11 of them are strong and handsome these are yusuf's brothers handsome men upright mashallah and they all coming together and they all look the same and people start looking at them he was afraid that they will be affected by what the evil eye so he said disperse you know come from different doors but then what did Yaqub say in the same breath? In I have relied upon Allah. And upon Allah, let the reliers rely. So he was saved. So the people who rely upon Allah, their goals are met. Uh, maybe we speak about Hajar. The Zamzam that came from beneath her feet, if somebody says to you, summarize for me the story of Hajar and Ibrahim, say to them, that is a story of tawakkul. That is a story of reliance upon Allah, Jalla Jalalu. Right? She said, where are you going? Are you leaving us in this barren desert all, all by ourselves? And he wouldn't answer her. Mecca wasn't like the Mecca you see today. It was just an endless desert. She said, you're leaving us? Who are you leaving us to? There's no one here. There's nothing here. He wouldn't answer her. She said to him, Did Allah instruct you to do this? And then he turned around and he said, Yes. She said, Then Allah will not forsake us. She went back. And you know the rest of the story, and Zamzam is, as you know today, maybe some of you have Zamzam in the house, here in the UK, although its source is all the way in Arabia. What is that story? A sign of? Tawakkul huh? upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the people of Tawakkul are blessed. Allah helps them fulfill their, their, their ends. Allah supports them. Allah aids them. My shaykh, and he is the shaykh of some of you as well, I know that. You will know that he went through... A uh, very difficult health condition and cancer, a very strange form of cancer, kept reappearing in his body. And each time the surgeon would operate upon him and they would remove more and more of it and it would come back more aggressively until it came back a third time. And when I went to visit him with my uh, father-in-law, the cancer had become so large here in his neck that it was touching his earlobe like this, like a large pomegranate protruding from his shoulder. It was a horrific sight. And his jacket was two different levels. And he was so uh, elated and so strong and so positive. And, and we said to him, we know such and such person who had a similar type of cancer. Allah cured him. We know this sister from Newport, this is true. And she had a very similar, Allah cured her. He said, yeah, you should also give me the other option. That may happen. I said, what's that? He said, yeah, I may also die. And what is wrong with that? That's also an option. We should be fine with that. Why don't you mention that as an option as well? And then he said, but anyway, I'd just like to tell you, this is going to go. And if it wasn't for my mother who is forcing me to do chemotherapy, I would have just recited Quran and done Ruqya to show the Muslims Allah is the one who cures and to make an example of myself. And it will go. But my mother, she's insisted, I can't disobey her. And he said, we are reciting Quran and Allah has described the Quran as being the truth. And this here on my shoulder, this is batil, this is false. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran in Surah Al-Isra, The truth has come and falsehood goes. Because falsehood by its nature is bound to perish. He said this is bound to perish And it perished by the permission of Allah Jalla Jalla. They operated upon him. They said to him, most likely we will have to amputate your entire arm. Alhamdulillah, the arm is intact. And he's living bifadlillah, a stronger life than usual. And we joke with him, we say that after your chemotherapy and all of your hair fell off, and now it's grown back, you've grown back with half the gray hair that you had in the past. This is true. He grew back with almost half the gray hair he had in the past. This is yani tawfiq from Allah and aid from Allah. But the people of tawakkul, right? They are aided by Allah to fulfill their ends. The people of Tawakkul, they are awarded with Jannah. And it's the greatest prize after the love of Allah. Allah said in Surah Al-Ankabut, listen to these soothing ayat. And those who believe and they work good deeds. We will allow them to enter elevated rooms. Beneath which rivers flow. They will live there forever. And how excellent is the reward of those who work. Who are they? Those who are patient. And upon their Lord, they rely. The last thing I want to share with you, brothers and sisters, is a blueprint to how we can work towards tawakkul. The first thing I advise myself and yourselves for those who are interested in being an individual, reliance upon Allah and to earn all of these gifts that I spoke about. The ultimate way of attaining tawakkul is to know Allah Jalla Jalalu. Recognize your Lord. Have you noticed how on an aeroplane, when it begins to move because it's gone through uh, uh, it's lousy weather, and there's turbulence, and it feels like as if you're flying through bricks or sand and everyone is terrified and you're holding your breath and you're making dua and you're making your apologies to your Lord and you feel as if you're gonna die. Everyone is terrified, everyone is scared, everyone is calling upon someone or something, with the exception to who? With the exception to who? Don't say the Muslims. All of us, we're in the same boat. With the exception to who? The? Yeah, the cabin crew. Look at them. The aeroplane feels like it's about to explode. And, you know, life is continuing. Would you like tea, sir? Would you like biscuits? Uh, would you need, do you need some earphones? They're still gossiping. They're still backstabbing each other. If it gets too turbulent, maybe they need to sit down and she'll use it as an opportunity to top up the lipstick or, you know, to put on those magnetic uh, eyelashes because they're slipping off. And everything is normal. Everyone is praying for God and for safety and they're, they're so cool. How come? Because they have knowledge of something that we don't know. That's allowed them to be calm. They know that this is what aeroplanes experience. They experience turbulence. This is not scary. They know that it's been around three or four or five decades and no aeroplane has been reported to crash because of turbulence. The last aeroplane that is reported to have crashed because of turbulence in 1966 on Mount Fuji. So... The modern day craft is designed to deal with it, by Allah's permission, very, very well. That's what they know. 
So their knowledge of the aeroplane has helped them rely upon the aeroplane. Similarly, the Muslims' knowledge of Allah, He is Al-Malik, sovereignty is His, kingdom is His, richness, wealth is His. Your knowledge of Al-Malik causes you to rely upon Him. And when people are scared because of the turbulence of life, huh? you're at peace. What gave you that peace? Your knowledge of Allah. And by the way, and we said this so many times, one of the best ways of knowing Allah is studying His names and His attributes. Have you started this study, dear brothers and sisters? And that's why in the Quran, and this is a small footnote, have you noticed? So many times, the topic of tawakkul is linked with the names of Allah. Have you noticed this, yeah, Hamid? Almost as if we're being told that by knowing Allah's names, tawakkul will sprout in your life. Like what? وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْعَزِيزِ الرَّحِيمِ Allah said, rely, have tawakkul upon who? Al-Aziz, the most mighty. Al-Rahim, the most merciful. الَّذِي يَرَاكَ حِينَ تَقُومِ The one who sees you when you're standing in prayer. وَتَقَلُّبَكَ فِي السَّاجِدِينَ And he sees your movement when you are prostrating. إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمِ He's the one who hears and knows. Look at how tawakkul is linked to what? The names of Allah. Allah said, وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْحَيِّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتِ Rely upon the ever-living who never dies. As if to say, you know his names? The byproduct will be tawakkul. It will come. And that's why some scholars, and this is the third definition of tawakkul I promised to share with you today. Some scholars said, التَّوَكُّلُ مَعْرِفَةُ اللَّهِ It is knowing Allah. They said, Tawakkul, reliance upon Allah, is simply knowing Allah. As if to say that when you know Him, it is so certain that tawakkul will become part of your life, we don't even need to mention it in the definition. What is tawakkul? Knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So start a structured study of the names of Allah, please, dear brothers and sisters. Number two, I'm just conscious of the time now. Maybe we will summarize number two. Number two, to attain tawakkul is to recite the book of Allah Jalla Jalaluhu with contemplation. This allows the heart to rest and say, yeah, I, I really depend upon him and I rely upon him. I'm not scared anymore. Amir ibn Abdi Qais from the Tabi'een, he said, three verses from the Quran has helped me rely upon my Lord. What are they? He said, number one, where Allah said in Surah to Yunus, right? Download these ayat and keep them in front of you when you fear that your tawakkul is not in check. Three verses. Number one, Surah to Yunus. Allah said, If Allah touches you with adversity, nobody can remove it except Him. And if Allah intends good for you, no one can repel His bounty. He said that gave me tawakkul. What is the second ayah? Second ayah, he said, is from Surah Fatir, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ فَلَا مُمْسِرْكَ لَهَا Whatever mercy Allah opens up for someone, no one can withhold it. وَمَا يُمْسِكْ فَلَا مُرْسِلَ لَهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ And what Allah holds from His mercy, no one can open it back up. The third verse that helped him with tawakkul, is where Allah said in Surah Hud, 
وما من دابة في الأرض إلا على الله رزقها There is no moving creature on the earth except that it is upon Allah to provide for it. He said these three verses blessed me with tawakkul. Knowing Allah through his names, reciting Quran with contemplation. Number three, to take the means and measures. How do I be a person of tawakkul? Do what you humanly need to do to, to attain your ends. Do something about it. Tawakkul is not about sitting at home and wishing for the best. Nor is your tawakkul detracted from when you do something. No, part of tawakkul, reliance upon Allah, is that you do something and you do your best. Whilst acknowledging that your attempts are futile if Allah does not allow them to blossom. Who is musabbibul asbab? The causer of all causes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why when the Sahabi said to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, Messenger of Allah, should I tie my camel and rely upon Allah? Or should I let my camel go and rely upon Allah? He said, No, tie your camel and rely upon Allah. Do what you need to do. Musa السلام, was a man of tawakkul, but he was told to go at night and to take Bani Israel out of Egypt. He had to do what he had to do as a man. Nuh was a man of tawakkul, but he was instructed to build an ark. You do your bit, Allah will do the impossible. Our Nabi وسلم, when he went to war, he, he, he would put on two elements of, two uh, body armor, two pieces of body armor. And he was the greatest, the Imam of the Mutawakkilin. And he would store food for his family in his house for a year. And he is the Imam of the people of Tawakkul. And when he migrated to Medina, he didn't just make dua, he made a 10 point plan to go to Abu Bakr's house at night to keep it a secret, to leave from the rear entrance of the house of Abu Bakr, to go down the coast as opposed to the main route because it was longer, but it was away from the eyes of the trackers, to hide in the cave for three days, to have Asma deliver them food, Amir ibn Fuhaira to cover up their tracks when they were walking, Abdullah, son of Abu Bakr, bringing them intelligence, spying for them effectively, going southwards instead of north where Medina was in the beginning of the journey to lose the trackers. Why did he do that? Because that's part of tawakkul. That's part of relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you can say that tawakkul is like a, a mountain that has a summit. That summit is tawakkul. And then you've got two slippery slopes. You can fall this way or that way. There are some who fall this way when they say, we rely upon Allah, but we don't need to take the means. Allah will sort everything out. We say, you're an idiot. That's an idiocy. That's idiocy. To claim tawakkul without doing something about it. That's one side of the slope. Then you have the other side of the slope. Those who say, no, I will do everything needed, but I don't believe in this God business. We say that's also idiocy. That's actually kufur billah. Tawakkul is what? For your hands, for your limbs to engage, to buy, sell, to send the CV, to set up the website, to engage in dawah, to do what you need to do. But your heart believes that all of it is futile. If Allah doesn't help it blossom and come into ah, fruition.
By the way, small caveat here. When we talk about relying upon Allah in achieving your ends, right? We're not talking about the haram means. We say take the means, right? This was number three. We're not talking about the prohibited means. Like those who sell alcohol, they say this, I'm relying upon Allah. Or they have a shisha in their shop. They say, what can we do? We're looking for our rizq. You haven't relied upon Allah. What is your assumption of Allah? Or those who insist that shisha have to be, has to be part of their business. Or some sort of smoking and cigarette or drug users or drug sellers. They say, we're relying upon Allah. What can we do? We have to look for our rizq. You have not relied upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ma dhannukum bi rabbil I remember, subhanAllah, I was amazed when I saw this myself in one of the local shops here in Cardiff in Butte Town and visiting the shop and about to hand over the cash to the salesman and what was behind the salesman really caught my eye. It was hard to miss. I mean, you had rows upon rows of uh, cigarettes and all types of variety stacked one on top of the other. You had your, your Marlboro and you've got your Camel, you've got your L&M and you've got your Cleopatra and... You, You've got it all there. And then on top of that, you had alcohol, again, so many different types, your martinis and your Jack Daniels and your Amstels and your Guinness and your... And then on top of all of that, he's got this beautifully crafted bit of calligraphy that has an ayah of the Quran, which says, Place your reliance upon Allah if you are a believer. It just seems so odd, like the irony, the contradiction. As if you are saying that Allah can only provide for you from the haram. As if you're going to add to your rizq, your provisions. Two things in life are chasing you. They're going to catch up with you whether you like it or not. You can't outrun two things. Death, your rizq, both will catch up with you. Go to the highest mountain on earth. Dive into the deepest ocean. Death will be waiting for you when the time is there. And so will your rizq, it will come to you. Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith of Abu Darda that man is pursued by his rizq the same way he is pursued by death. You're chased. You're chased down by your rizq the same way you're chased down by death. Yaqi, subhanallah, a brother of mine, I remember back at university, Somali brother, may Allah preserve him. He told me we used to travel to Kenya a lot because uh, we had family there and we used to enjoy swimming in Kenya. Uh, is Adnan here? Adnan, Hayal, like uh, the people of Kenya, right? So he said, listen to this, yeah, Adnan. He said, we were swimming and um, there was about maybe eight or nine of us and one of the brothers went really deep and all of a sudden we noticed that we were like seven, we're not eight. Where is Fulan? Where is so-and-so? They looked and they noticed that he is... Uh, in and out of the ocean, somewhere very deep where he shouldn't be. So they swam towards him and um, they brought him back to the shore and he'd effectively died, I mean, khalas. And they tried to give him mouth to mouth and to resuscitate him and he was finished, he was blue. And, and then subhanAllah, all of a sudden, uh, water gushed out from his nose and from his mouth and he and he was, he, he was better and he, we, he sat up and we spoke and we hugged him, we wept, we praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we were just so happy and he was recovering, he's leaning on us and speaking and, and then one of the brothers said, just a second, I mean, 
this is a time for Coke, right? So he went to one of the shops and he bought everyone a, a, a can or a, a bottle of Coke. And he said, Subhanallah Ali, he finished drinking his bottle of Coke. Then he's put his head back onto the sand and he died. And I said to him, look, there was one more bottle of Coke that Allah had written for him to drink. He had to consume it. Then he will die. Your rizq, you can't run away from it. Why are you going down the route of haram? Alcohol will add to your rizq. Drugs will add to your rizq. It is impossible. And notice that the one who goes down this path, Allah will punish him by closing the doors of halal. He doesn't even know how to go down the route of halal anymore. And poverty will between, be between his eyes. Wherever he looks, he sees poverty. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he said, I came across a masjid in Kufa. I stopped off and I went into the masjid. I wanted to pray. And before I came into the masjid, I said to a young boy, I said to him, can you just take care of my uh, camel or my ride just until I finish salah? He said, sure. I came back out of the masjid, Ali, he said, and the saddle had been stolen. That young kid I entrusted the camel to had run away with the saddle. And subhanAllah, Ali had put his hand into his pocket with a dinar of gold. He wanted to give that young boy as a thanks for taking care of my host. The boy had made a run for it with his property. Anyway, so Ali radiallahu anhu said, what can I do? He gave this gold coin to another, another child. He said, can you just go to the marketplace and buy me a saddle? I gotta get home. So the young boy went to the marketplace and he came back with the saddle. Ali said, Subhanallah, this is my saddle. That's my saddle. The young boy said, yeah, there was a kid selling it in the marketplace for a dinar. For a dinar. Ali said, Subhanallah, aradtu an u'tiyahu halalan fa'aba illa an yakhudahu haraman. Ali said, I, I wanted to give him this dinar, this gold in the halal way, but he insisted to take it in the haram. He insisted to take it in the haram. What changed? Say money. But this, what's difference is the outcome, is the sin. So fear Allah, dear brothers and sisters. Remember, your businesses, your rizq, your, your life, it's all written. You're being chased. You cannot run away from what is written for you. Why pursue the haram? And those who do this, they have not relied upon their Lord and they have not recognized their Lord as he should be recognized. Number four, we will conclude by saying, make dua. Call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and beg him for tawakkun. Include it in your list of dua. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he taught us to, to do this. Dua al-makroob, the dua of the distressed. What is it? The dua of the distressed. What is it? Allahumma rahmataka arju. Oh Allah, it is your mercy. I have hopes in. فَلَا تَكِلْنِي إِلَىٰ نَفْسِي طَرْفَتَعِينَ So do not entrust me to myself for even the blinking of an eye. وَأَصْلِحْ لِي شَأْنِي كُلَّهُ And correct all of my affairs for me. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا And none has the right to be worshipped but you. Brothers and sisters, I have finished this session. I wanted to share with you the last message. I just want to tell you this. Um, Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, when he spoke about tawakkul, he mentioned something that I hadn't really thought about before this. He said that most people, when they think about tawakkul, they limit it to the lower levels of tawakkul, the lesser manifestations of tawakkul. In achieving an element of dunya, food, drink, money, people are relying upon Allah for their bellies, that you can solve 
with a half a loaf of bread, he said. And people are relying upon Allah, tawakkul, for their health. And the simplest medicine can usually solve it. And this is good and favorable, but he said, the higher levels of tawakkul is what is requested from the believer. To rely upon Allah to become a better Muslim. To rely upon Allah to overcome the whisperings and temptations of shaitan. To rely upon Allah when giving da'wah to people and finding a project for yourself. He says, these are the higher levels of tawakkul that the Muslim should be thinking about when discussing the topic of tawakkul. And Hatimul Asam, they said to him, how did you become a man of tawakkul? He said, I built my tawakkul upon four things. I've come to learn that no one will eat my rizq except myself. So I am at peace. And I've come to learn that no one will do my deeds for me except myself. So I have busied myself doing deeds. And I've come to realize that death will come to me suddenly, so I am preempting death. And I've come to learn that I am never invisible from the eye of Allah, and so I am shy of Him. These are the four matters Hatim al-Asam said, I have used to establish and build my tawakkul upon it. We ask Allah to make us people of tawakkul. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد والحمد لله رب العالمين